From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The Family Medicine Education Consortium and Implicit Network has had a goal since the early 1990s to help prevent premature births. Recently, they developed a model that focuses on preventing premature births one woman at a time by providing interconception care to moms during well-child visits. I'm pleased to be speaking with a physician who's been involved with this effort since its inception. Dr. Jean Bailey is an Associate Professor of Family Medicine at Upstate who also oversees the Family Medicine Residency Program. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Bailey. Hi, Amber. Thank you for having me today. Can you tell us uh, why the Implicit Network got started and, and what is Implicit? Sure. The Implicit Network stands for Interventions to Minimize Preterm and Low Birth Weight Infants Using Continuous Quality Improvement Techniques. Hence, we use the word implicit. Um, it actually is uh, a family medicine maternal child health learning collaborative and it's focused on improving birth outcomes and promoting the health of women, birthing people, infants, and families through innovative models of care, quality improvement, and professional development for current and future physicians. It began in the 1990s under the leadership of Dr. Stephen Radcliffe and has grown to now include over 33 different sites in eight states, and it's gained the full support of many organizations one of them, which uh, is the March of Dimes. Uh, their recent effort is the development of the interconception care ICC model that focuses on care provided to mothers between pregnancies to improve health outcomes for women, newborns, and children. So let me ask you, why are preterm births or low birth weight babies a concern? There are many major leading causes of pregnancy-related uh, issues, and it turns out that uh, preterm birth uh, is the second uh, most cause for um, uh, problems during pregnancy and death. Uh, it's only preceded by actually birth uh, defects. Uh, so it is uh, an issue that actually the March of Dimes and many of us are focusing on uh, quite heavily. And so uh, we find that uh, many of the issues that surround preterm birth or low birth weight actually can be prevented. And when you say deaths, do you mean maternal mortality or infant mortality? So um, actually maternal mortality turns out to be um, the leading cause are heart conditions and stroke. But when we're talking about the infant, it is the second leading cause of infant mortality in the United States. I see. Well, now let's talk about the causes of preterm birth. What, what, what are some of the things that cause that? So the, um, uh, that the things that can cause it, there's many risk factors. I think it's important to know why we're so concerned about it. And that's because the earlier a baby is born, the higher the risk of death or serious disability in 2018, preterm birth and low birth weight accounted for about 17% of infant deaths. Babies who survive can also have breathing issues, intestinal and digestive problems, and uh, bleeding in their brains. And there are many, many risk factors that we look at that fall 
into some major categories, including the increase in multiple pregnancies, especially with infertility treatments. There's infection and chronic conditions that also contribute, uh, especially uh, diabetes or high blood pressure. And we all know that obesity now is something that we look at very seriously and actually is now a major risk factor for pregnant women. Uh, specifically, uh, we want to look also at tobacco smoke, alcohol, or uh, drug use, uh, advancing maternal age. Um, there's also if a woman who has had a history of a preterm uh, baby or suspected growth restriction in the past, that that also puts them at risk at this pregnancy, uh, and, and really many more. You know, um, a lot of these also relate to low socioeconomic status, and we know that those are factors sometimes that are very difficult to really uh, make uh, a difference in as far as a medication and really requires a lot more uh, look into uh, the life of the, the, the relationships, the social situations that our, our patients present uh, to us. Let's talk about why this effort targets moms who are bringing their babies to well child appointments, because you're from the family medicine specialty. That That's really the only one where providers are caring for both the mother and baby. Is that right? That's correct. Family medicine is uh, a specialty where we actually take care of patients pretty much unrestricted by age or problem. So we're not really focused on one particular system, but really is more developing our practices over longitudinal time and building relationships with our patients. Uh, we also, uh, in, in, in my practice uh, particularly, I do take care of uh, a broad scope of patients. So really uh, from, uh, the time that the baby is actually inside of mom or in the womb to potentially taking care of uh, families, older uh, grandparents or great grandparents to the end of life. So we kind of refer to that as womb to tomb uh, uh, medicine. So in other words, we're really looking at the patient as a whole and in the context of their family and in their community, more the, the social construct that many patients uh, present to us in. And so in family medicine, it's not uncommon for us to be taking care of both pediatrics and adults, which is unique to family medicine. And as a provider, do you see value in being able to care for mother and baby together? Do you feel that that gives you a more complete look at both of them? So, um, you know, there's many times when, you know, having the mother as my patient, understanding and caring for her uh, makes a huge difference when caring for the baby. You know, having the opportunity to already have had a relationship, and in my case, taking care of the mother before, during, and after their pregnancy, and then caring for the baby afterwards, I feel it offers a huge advantage um, that, uh, my patients already have developed a rapport with me. They know my decision-making style. They really come to trust me and appreciate that I'm their primary care doctor for the whole family. Uh, you know, there's a unique bond and it's quite gratifying for both of us. You know, I have some patients where they literally have not seen any other doctor and that I've taken care of them uh, as a child uh, and then delivered their babies and then taking care of them as well. 
Uh, also, many parents and even grandparents uh, come to me. And so, you know, it's an opportunity to really uh, spend time uh, with both that mother and baby dyad, as we call it in the ICC world, where it's really both of them coming in at once. So, you know, we focus a lot also during those times then on the social determinants of health, and uh, we're able to, you know, prevent, I think, a lot of the risk factors that set our moms up for potential preterm birth and low birth weight. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Jean Bailey, an associate professor and doctor of family medicine at Upstate. We're discussing a family medicine maternal child health collaboration focused on improving birth outcomes and promoting the health of women, birthing people, infants, and families. So what are the concerns that you make sure to discuss with moms that are part of this implicit program, and why do you focus on these particular items? There's uh, four major areas that we discuss during each of the uh, well-child visit, and, uh, you know, I, I do this also with our residents, and they have developed brochures for each of the areas, and so those include smoking, uh, screening for smoking and tobacco use, screening for depression, um, also screening for birth spacing and birth control, and lastly, whether our moms are currently taking uh, folic acid. And uh, that, uh, so what we do is our message for smoking basically is we know that pregnant women who smoke or are exposed to secondhand smoke are at greater risk for developing a low birth weight baby. And we use the five A's approach to help our patients begin the difficult process of smoking cessation. And those five A's are to ask, advise, assess, assist, and then to arrange. And so we're able to uh, engage our patients and help them with uh, what we see as a very preventable risk factor. Uh, as far as uh, depression is concerned, perinatal depression uh, happens during pregnancy or in the first year after having a baby, and it's actually one of the most common medical complications of pregnancy. It can affect up to one in seven women, or about 15%. And it also includes postpartum depression, which is a depression that happens after pregnancy. So it's really important, we feel, and this is why it's important to use the well-child visit, is that under normal circumstances, a, a, a woman who's delivered may not follow up with their um, maternity care provider for six to eight weeks, and they may have had a wonderful delivery, everything's gone fine, and then soon, maybe a week or two afterwards, they're in a depression, and uh, you know we have the opportunity to screen them for depression using the common tool, the PHQ-2 tool, during the well-child visits. Moms feel that that's really important. I think that they really like the fact that we're also focused on them as well as on the babies. Um, as far as uh, the, the third component, which is birth spacing uh, or birth control, it's really um, not about a conversation regarding what type of birth control uh, a patient wants to go on. We certainly do discuss the efficacy of different um, types of birth control, but really this is more to talk about um, the birth spacing that is now in the literature and the recommendation that 
possibly women should wait between births up to 18 months so that we can uh, reduce the, the possibility of preterm birth and low birth weight. We know that moms who get pregnant very early after delivering a baby are at higher risk for this. So, you know, we want to we want to initiate that discussion as soon as possible so we can get a feel for where uh, mom is and the family is as far as how close they want to have their babies. Um, it's really to help uh, be sensitive to their reproductive needs uh, of our patients. You mentioned folic acid as well. Yes. Yes. So folic acid seems to be sort of out of the uh, preterm birth and low birth weight discussion. But since we know that uh, severe birth defects account for the number one cause of infant deaths, up to 20 percent, and taking folic acid uh, is a very simple intervention that we can do that helps to prevent spine and brain malformations. We added that to the implicit uh, uh, areas of concern as well and screening, make sure moms stay on their prenatal vitamins, even if they're not planning uh, to have another uh, baby soon. Now, this effort I know got underway initially in the 1990s. Has it been in place long enough and used by enough family medicine providers to show any positive change? So we've had several publications now that shows that it does work to do this at the well-child visit. 94% of moms attend their well-child visit and 93% we find are willing to receive health advice from their child's doctor. And what we've been able to show is that we have been able to change behavior in both providers and patients. So getting them to screen during well-child visits and then seeing the benefits on patients um, we're, we're in the middle, uh, what we are doing is with the collaborative is collecting data from multiple sites. And so we sift through that data and we're in the midst right now of analyzing it. And for the specific interventions, we're still kind of trying to find out what works, what doesn't work. You know, everything, uh, everybody kind of does things uh, a little bit different depending on the patient and, and the provider. But we have shown that, and even in our own practice, that we can achieve an 80 to 90% screening rate, which I think is great for us to be able to have opportunity now to, to intervene with our moms. Now, I know you work closely with the family medicine residents. Is this idea, this concept sort of folded into the education of upcoming doctors of family medicine so that this will not be a new program for them, but it'll just be second nature to the way they practice? We know that if we can get this education early on in our physicians' training, that we have a higher success rate and really getting them to do this when they get done. In our own residency program, I have two residents that have actually taken the lead on developing this and collecting data uh, for our practice. But most of the sites that are doing this right now are residency programs. So we really uh, believe and feel that it's important for not only our residents, but staff too, to learn this model and to screen, use this screening tool and to get them to feel comfortable with using this during the well-child visit up to two years of age. So yes, we want this to become second nature. And I think the earlier we can do this in the educational process, the better. I appreciate hearing about this effort to reduce premature births. Thank you to Dr. Jean Bailey, an Associate Professor of Family Medicine at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and radio talk show, HealthLink on Air.